For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access to your populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Mediators World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. For the first time in 100 years, a grizzly bear has been photographed in prairie habitat along the Missouri River breaks. The conservation organization American Prairie formerly American Prairie Reserve, or APR, first reported back in October that grizzly tracks had been found in this area of central Montana along the Judith River. The group set trail cams in hopes of capturing a photo of the grizz and their efforts paid off earlier this month. While grizzlies today occupy mountainous regions out west, they historically lived in prairie ecosystems as well, which everybody knows why that uh, movie with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is kind of crap. Because although the the grunting and the pain and the dragging and the whatnots that happened uh, did look very realistic, the landscape was not. That's a prairie story, not a mountain story. But I digress. Grizzly bears are well adapted to life on the prairie, which offers abundant food sources such as fleshy roots, berries, fresh prairie grasses and forbs, rodents and carrion. They were driven out of these areas by settlers, but as their populations have expanded in recent decades, they're beginning to reoccupy the American Great Plains. And speaking of big old grizzly bears, I'm sitting here with Douglas Duran, sharing the land, famous Doug Duran. This is what's happening in the My Week segment of this podcast, and really the rest of the podcast. As you know, we've been highlighting conservation organizations because I get so many emails, messages, texts, uh, smoke signals, what have you, saying, hey, what groups should I get involved in? What should I show up for? And I like to tell people, sign up for newsletters and decide for yourself. But a lot of those people then reply 
well, can't you just tell me? So this is another step down the road of doing things the hard way, the Callahan way of uh, learn it and make a decision on your own. You're an adult. So this week we are highlighting the Sharing the Land Project, or just Sharing the Land, uh, headed up by my good friend Doug Duran. Doug, what is Sharing the Land? Well, Sharing the Land is, uh, as, the, the idea is as old as the bartering system. It's a conservation cooperative network of people, access seekers, and landowners who get together. The access seeker provides some contributions to conservation of the, of the landowner's property or some other conservation uh, contribution that the landowner is interested in. And in exchange for that, they're allowed to access that land for whatever arrangement the landowner and the access seeker agree on. But for our purposes, what we'd be interested in is like the hunting, fishing, maybe foraging aspect of um, getting to traipse around somebody's private property. You're exactly right. Um, most of this is based around the kind of stuff that the folks who listen to you and, and a little bit to me uh, like to do. Um, we've had, even this week, uh, some access uh, here, some hunters here, um, deer hunting. We've, uh, there's really no limit to what kind of access that, that, that a landowner can provide or that people can look for. But 99% of what we're doing is hunting, fishing, a um, little bit of camping, um, and, uh, yeah, so it's great. Yeah. Um, so the, I guess the, the short version would be tell people right now where they can find sharing the land and how easy it is to find somebody, right? Cause there's two sides. There's the people with the land and there's the people who want to get access to that land. So if you are somebody with land and you're interested in having people come out or contribute to um, that, that property value or conservation value of that property, um, how do they get involved with sharing the land? Well, both sides, both the folks who want to access and the landowner do the same thing. You go to sharingtheland.com and you'll see on the website, uh, some drop-down fillable forms. One is for filling out a conservation resume if that if you're an access seeker, and that is exactly what it sounds like. You are putting your best foot forward and telling telling the landowners um, who you are and what you're about and the things that you're interested in. Um, and that's a like any resume, you can build on that resume. And if you're a landowner, you go on there and there's a drop-down fillable form called a cooperating land profile. And there you can fill out um, information about your land, um, what you're interested in having help with, and what access, hunting, fishing, camping, foraging, you're um, able to provide to folks. And then that information comes to the Sharing the Land World Headquarters here in Casanova, Wisconsin, with our satellite office in the state of Washington. And we, um, we put those two groups of people together. I will say this, as you might, as you might uh, imagine, we have a lot more folks who are filling out conservation resumes who are access seekers than we have landowners who are um, filling out cooperating land profiles. There's more access seekers than there are landowners, and, um, and of course, the landowner has, uh, you know, they have to think about their own interests. Um, and if it's something that's for them, 
So we've been recruiting landowners, and uh, it's been a real interesting process listening to um, what landowners are concerned about and then um, addressing those concerns. And access seekers are, you know, continuing to put stuff in and and, uh, their information in. We have 30 properties in nine different states, and we have over 300 access seekers. And as you might imagine, uh, we have access seekers in places where we don't have land, and we also have land in places where we don't have access seekers. Uh, we just had one in uh, West Virginia um, that we put a call out on on sharing the land uh, Instagram page. You can find that through Doug Duran at Doug Duran, but at sharing the land on Instagram, um, we put a call out, and we did get some um, folks responding to that. And we also had a piece of property in um, New Mexico that. Uh, landowner, we didn't we didn't have anyone there. We put a call out, and we got a couple of folks, and and that's working out. Um, what uh, kind of recent examples of sharing the land in practice uh, can you give? Uh, I know you know I'm here because I'm buddies with you, and got to hang out for the family. Uh, and extended family friends opening uh, weekend uh, rifle here in Wisconsin, which was super cool. And I know you were getting some text messages of the program in action. Oh, yeah. So our farm aside, which has been part of the model, right? Our farm aside, we have uh, four properties in Wisconsin and it being opening weekend. Um, one property about seven miles from here, the landowner... Um, had reached out and said, I'm really interested in doing this. Um, and I can take a, a, a couple of deer hunters and I was like, Oh, well, we kind of like to have folks do work first. And, um, he said, you know, if it's the right people, I'll work that out with them later. So I actually had, um, a father and two sons who, um, I introduced them and I know, know both sides of this equation. Um, uh, pretty well, both the landowner and the and this access seeker put them together, and they've already worked out a deal. And lo and behold, a uh, twelve-year-old young man went out and shot, shot his first deer, nice little buck, on that property on Saturday. And they've already made plans for what they're going to do uh, to help the landowner. So that's a great one. We have a property up in the Stevens Point area that a couple of people have been working on for, gee, since last spring. They did a little turkey hunting. Um, but they just started uh, deer hunting, and sounds like they had great success. Um, we have another property south of here that um, has one person on it and very actively managed property. And, and this person happened to have uh, the, the access seeker happened to have uh, uh, skills and background in um, prescribed fire and chainsaw safety and that sort of thing. So it was a perfect match because it's an older couple who need who've done a lot of that kind of work, but are getting to the point where they probably shouldn't be swinging a chainsaw and they need help. That's been fantastic. We have two properties in two landowners with three different properties in North Dakota. And uh, they're out there. Folks have been pulling wire out of the ground and helping him, helping them plant. Um, you know, they've been rolling up fences, but they've been also helping them plant uh, wildlife shrubs and, and that kind of thing. And they've been doing um, prairie chicken and pheasant hunting out there. Um, so those are some of the, the ones that I can just reel off off the top of my head. So what is, is all the vetting being done by 
sharing the land. So what we are doing is getting the resumes together and we'll look them over and see which one might match the best with, with some of the landowners from there. We don't, uh, we keep the, the landowners information private. We send them the, uh, the, the people who've applied and, and that we th- think are appropriate. Then they like any, uh, job kind of look through the resume, see who they like to talk and what we tell them to do is to start out slow, have a conversation. Um, if we've got multiple access seekers, talk to a half a dozen again, just like it would be a, a job interview. Talk to if you if you have room for two, talk to four or five. See which ones you feel you know the best about. Um, so start out with that, and then start out with a small project, and and then move forward. And so the vetting is really done by the landowner as the. Um, and we, as the, if we were using the employer employee thing as the employer, you know, looking into that person, we have some suggestions, frequently asked questions about vetting. And if there's concerns about, um, you know, backgrounds and that kind of thing that can be done. And, but really where it really starts is those people having that conversation and developing a relationship, sort of like a, a door knocker. We're kind of providing a, a door knocker opportunity, right? Where we're, we're matching people up. Um, we then uh, provide a agreement form and they, that they can use for, you know, for their own purposes and, and make changes to it. Um, there is uh, insurance that's available through, uh, through an ins- uh, insurance provider, um, outdoor, you know, insurance, uh, hunting insurance. And, um, and, and as a part of the agreement, there's a hold harmless um, part of that. And at the end of the day, most states have a recreational access law, which if you're allowing someone to hunting your property, and uh, as long as what they're doing for you is sort of hunting related or conservation related, there you can have an exchange. Wisconsin has one. You can actually take up to $2,000 in, in money or value and still be covered under the recreational access law. A lot of states have very similar laws and there's actually a website that we direct people to and we provide as much information that we possibly can to both the landowner and the access seeker so they get them you know they know what they're getting themselves into awesome pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service it's called the wellness company picture this okay you wake up you got a scratchy throat you're all congested you got a runny nose you got a cough whatever and you weigh your options like you tough it out get sick take time off work Try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription. And you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit. All right, It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. 
That's promo code Meat Eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. What, I guess, is the most common, from what you've seen so far, what, what's the most common uh, labor trade that you see? What what are people really needing out there on the farm or ranch? You know, it's usually really simple stuff. Um, we're fixing fence. We're taking down fence. Maybe we're limbing trees. Um, prescribed fire. If you've done, uh, I know you've done burns. You need two things when you do uh, a, a prescribed burn. You need people and water. And if it gets Western, you need a lot of water. So, but that's a really great thing. So that's a skill that people are learning too. Um, so those are those are some um, uh, invasive species control. I think I may have uh, mentioned that. And then it becomes a question of well, how, what skills do these people have? And in some cases, I've had landowners, including myself, just have people come out and help with simple chores around the farm. Shovel a little manure for me. You, you, you know, it's a, you, uh, you, you, earn, you earn some favor. Um, but, you know, picking stuff up, um, we've, some carpentry work is another one. Um, people have done lawn work for people. Trimming some apple trees have been done. Um, so usually- So skilled labor- is always great, but the reality is, is many hands make light work. And, uh, if you're just willing to show up and be open to a little bit of sweat equity, they can find a job for you. That's exactly right. You know, the old, the old, uh, thing was, Hey, I'd come and help you bail. Hey, well, we don't really bail hay like that anymore. The square bales and stack them on the, you know, it's sort of that idyllic idea. Right. But we don't really do it that way anymore. We roll them up and move them around with skid steers. Um, I've had people come and just help like shuttle equipment around and get, you know, get things in places where we need them. What we like to do is to say that the hunting, the work of getting ready for hunting is not really a part of the sharing land agreement. That's, you're going to do that no matter where you go. So, you know, the contribution to conservation. One of the 
projects that we did here, um, and I know that one of the landowners in North Dakota did something similar. We actually had uh, conservation stewardship and the one in North Dakota had equip projects that they needed to get done. My CSP work was limbing pine trees, limbing and thinning. Well, the limbing, sure, it would go faster with chainsaws, but you take a half a dozen or eight people up there with, you know, with some of those nice steel loppers and, and start cutting limbs off, um, or, or with the electric pole saw, um, you know, you have a nice quiet time in the woods, kind of lopping limbs off trees and talking and kind of explaining what we're doing. And um, if you get to a point where folks really need to, when, we, when that project needed, you know, heavier work like chainsaws and uh, like my tree terminator and that kind of stuff, we just plan to do that at a, at a different time. What I liked doing here and um, uh, with, with my friend Brock, and who was running a lot of this stuff, um, is that we would plan for an hour on the front end um, of talking and explaining what we're doing, three or four hours of work, and an hour on the back end. And oftentimes, we'd end it with a, you know, with a little shooting or, or a little more of a walk on the farm to look at other things and maybe what the next project is. Um, Another project that's I'm real excited about, and in fact, I'll be going down there next week to uh, do some filming, is is one on a prairie seed production uh, farm. And uh, last summer, we did a bunch of work on the guy's property. Six people showed up, and uh, Hoxie Seed, who's one of our um, sharing land cooperators, or landowners, um, we went down and did a day's worth of work um, helping them dig big blue stem out of Indian grass. And then we did a bunch of hand collecting of seeds that are best hand collected. And um, now next week, we're going to go down and do a day hunting with the same folks. And um, Onyx is sending a film crew and they've been, you know, documenting this. So we're trying to tell these stories as well. But that, and that's a great story. Uh, the Hoxie seed folks and what they've done and how they're, how they need that. It's real simple. I mean, it takes five minutes to learn how to, to uh, dig out a, a big blue stem out of, of Indian grass. And it takes shorter to learn how to hand um, collect uh, false indigo or butterfly weed. And you're really helping well, those guys out. Like what you're uh, glossing over from uh, somebody with a lot, lot more knowledge than I have is, you know, a huge benefit to me if I was to come out and do that labor would be to learn what that stuff actually is. Yeah. And why why animals like it, right? Yeah. And then when I head out into uh, the fields looking for birds or looking for bucks, I can identify that good native habitat that uh, puts a lot of good fat on wild animals. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about here before we wrap this up, Doug, is uh, another just kind of cool experience that you help provide here. Uh, you had a group from uh, Can-Am come out, and uh, Can-Am brought... Ooh, three first-time hunters to yep. the ranch. We're sorry, the farm. It's not a farm, ranch. It's not a, a farm. Ranch. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, first-time hunter experience uh, is so interesting. This area of Wisconsin is known for really big bucks. Uh, your perspective on managing for wild deer trying to make wild deer as big as possible has really changed over the years. So um, 
even though they were coming out to a county that's known for big whitetails, the speech that you gave was, you know, we're not selecting deer here. We're trying to remove about 60 animals this year. Uh, most of those are going to be does or doe fawns. Um, cause that's just how it, you know, nobody walks out to a field full of bucks, <laughs> but, um, the takeaway was if you were happy with that animal, we're going to be happy with you. And that's kind of the management practice. It's a, it's a total op, uh, population objective versus a very selective individual animal perspective. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is for the last, for about seven years now, we retired the sombrero and we have not been doing buck management per se, let him go so he can grow. We, I don't tell people you have to shoot the first buck that comes in front of you. You can make that choice. And you're right. Whatever animal you choose to shoot, if you make a good ethical shot, take a good ethical shot, be happy with that animal, and we will be happy with you. And it makes it so much easier to manage the whole thing. We've been providing, as of some of our other landowners, been providing uh, learn-to-hunt opportunities um, with with our partners. Um, National Deer Association is a great example. And they really have that healthy deer management attitude. We want a healthy ecosystem. We want a healthy deer herd. Um, and we want to provide opportunities for hunters to to get out there. And so all these things sort of wind together into the idea of sharing the land. And uh, what was interesting to me is, you know, we had people who um, were very aware of hunting things. They may not have been aware for, of them uh, in the I go out and shoot deer perspective because that's not what three quarters of the group was. Um, but they were all trained somehow, some way to say, what are we allowed to shoot? Mm -hmm. And what, you know, like if you get a hunting license here and you select this County, you get a buck tag and four doe tags. Right. Right. Which but everybody was like, okay, well, what, what is the, you know, is it, how old does the deer have to be or how big does it have to be? And I, what I saw was honestly a pretty collective ease of tension when it was, you know, if you want a deer, I suggest you take the first deer that steps in front of you, that provides that good ethical opportunity. And then, uh, as we started taking these first time hunters into the field, they were ecstatic with the doe or the small buck that they had the opportunity at, you know, and, and they were ecstatic in the field. And then once again, when they kind of got back to the farmhouse, they were like, I don't know, is this, is this something I should be proud of? Uh, or how cool should I be? And then you, you kind of had to retalk again about, um, dude, that is your first deer. Yeah. That is a big deal. That is awesome. Yep. Right. And as, as we, as we demonstrated, Sincerely, we were happy for them. We were happy with them. And, but it is so interesting that you brought that up. This, there was some preconceived notions with these folks. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that we were able to, to, to knock those preconceived notions about a deer has to be so big or we only want to do this or, and boy, am I should be happy with that. There's just, it, 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 it's, it's so vital, I think, especially as we um, welcome more and more folks to, the, to the, the world of hunting, that we're just clear about that. Let's be, let's, 
we're all in this together. Let's be happy about the deer that we harvest and, um, and be supportive of that. Between you and Jordan and I, for sure, and then, then the other guys who were here, everybody was happy for all those folks. And you could, there was that tension easing again, just like it did when I said, you know, in our, in our group meeting, pre-hunt meeting, that whatever deer you're happy with, we'll be happy with as long as you're taking good ethical shots. And then every one of my other regular folks who were here walked around and shook people's hands and patted them on the back. And, and that was all very sincere. And you could just see that tension or those concerns leave. And it's so interesting. You know? Yeah. When you, and it's like the hunting is this crazy thing. It's so responsibility heavy. Yeah. But it's way more simple when you're in the field, right? It's that, that saying of doing the right thing. Yeah even when nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. But then the social burden that we put on ourselves, the, the quite BS social burden, um, especially when you're around media people and writers and, and things like that, um, where it's like, how am I going to tell this story? Right. 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 And it's like, you just put awesome food in the freezer. You made a great shot. You got to go experience somebody else's place Yeah, that, you know, not a lot of people get to go check out. Um, one of the beautiful things about hunting is going places that uh, people who, uh, you know, take the scenic byway or the ATV trail may be near, but they've never been to. Yeah. Right. And um, it's, it's very simple once you relieve that uh, social stigma, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a part of what we're trying to do with this, and and uh, and certainly, I think a landowner who's willing to meet people that most, for the most part, they don't know, but then get to know them, and work cooperatively, spend some time cooperatively building a community that's based around conservation. Um, you know, every everyone should feel good about that, and really seen that with the landowners. These are the folks who are interested in that kind of thing. And if the access seeker goes in with that same kind of attitude or learns that same kind of attitude, then great. You know, we have most of our landowners who are, well, I, all of our landowners who are doing this are very engaged landowners. So they're proud of their property. They're happy to, to show it off. They're, they're, they're spending time on it. They're, they like to share that. Yep. Um, uh, and I think, uh, if I may, that is something that gets lost in these transactional models of land sharing. Like as we try to make things more efficient and turn them into a a vacation rental that has hunting available, um, it becomes another Amazon purchase, right? And and the, the purchaser doesn't get to say, holy cow, I can't believe I'm here. This is beautiful. How long has your family been here? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, was the place always like this? What have you been doing? I see this is in CRP. I see you burned over here. I see, um, you know, all of those things, those little bits of like family history that come with the stewardship and cultivation of the land kind of gets tossed out the window when it's like, Oh, here's the available dates. Here's the nightly rate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it can all be a part of it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I actually, I, we've talked about this. I have a lease agreement with some bow hunters and, uh, 
they've been here for a few years now and you know because i don't i don't i don't bow hunt um and they've been here for a few years now and and i remember uh jack the main guy saying to me so i want to get this straight so we pay x amount of dollars to come here and do this and we have the exclusive access from the beginning of the season until this date in the season and the day after we leave there are going to be folks on here who aren't paying anything so i go that's right he goes, okay, just so I'm clear. We've had a seven-year relationship with those guys. It's been fantastic. The folks who are coming the next day have been making contributions to conservation, um, either on this property or being volunteers for our Conservation Congress, becoming hunter safety instructors, doing all those kinds of things, building a conservation resume. And that has a lot of value to it, to, to a landowner, a person like me. So you know, again, this is the kind of thing that you can kind of do these different levels of, but I know exactly what you mean when it comes down to when money's involved, it's different. It's just different. Yep. But at the same time, nothing's free, right? Right. So yeah. those volunteer hours, even though they may have not have been spent on this farm, yep. uh, you've, uh, you've been around, you know, you can, you can see, uh, where those, uh, volunteer hours pay dividends. So, uh, and how that uh, can come back and affect you. So, uh, as we talked about, uh, which is a story we will not get into, we're going to sign off, but you know, when we, uh, have the conversation about why it is that the non-resident rifle only, uh, conservation package went from $160 a year to $200 a year. Okay. Let's not get into that. (laughs) (laughs) We we talk about that some other time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one more time, Doug, uh, where do folks go to learn about sharing the land? You can go on to Instagram at sharing the land. Uh, you can also go to my Instagram at Doug Duran, but sharing the land.com. It's very, very straightforward. And, uh, you'll find all this information on there. And if you're a landowner, feel free to contact me and we can have a conversation about it before you do anything. But if you do go on there and fill out a, a cooperating land profile, understand that uh, myself and my able assistant, Lindsay, are the only two that see that it doesn't become public information until you decide that it does. Um, so sharingland.com. And thanks very much for having me on. Oh, thank you, Doug. Um, we'll uh, talk to you later, I'm sure. So uh, that's all I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. That's right in. Let me know what you think of Doug and these conservation uh, organization uh, episodes that we're doing. Spotlights, if you will, by writing into A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at meateater.com And let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. On top of that, if you want to get out and do some uh, cooperative stuff, like through sharing the land or uh, stewardship volunteer hours, can't really hurt to pick up a clean, quiet, battery-operated chainsaw at a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. Check out www.steeldealers.com to track one down. They're going to get you set up with what you need. They won't try to send you home with what you don't. And those steel loppers that Doug mentioned are great for limbs, but they're also great for uh, taking the forelegs off a deer or uh, making those nice rib cuts, too. So thanks again. Get out there, be safe, be courteous, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart 
out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. 